Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak here for this Monday, the 15th of May in London. Coming up today. Headed for a runoff, Erdogan looks unlikely to have secured an outright victory in Turkey's presidential election. Running out of headroom, Biden and McCarthy will resume debt ceiling talks as default looms. Time for closer ties. The UK gets set for trade talks with Switzerland to boost services. The EU's London clearing headache. BOE prepares to water down borrowing rules and the Tories vow to clamp down on low-skilled migration. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus a glittering deal. Australian bullion giants seal a $19 billion tie-up to dominate the global gold mining industry. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Here are the stories we're following today. Recep Erdogan is unlikely to avoid a runoff in Turkey's presidential election. With more than 98% of votes counted, he's still short of the 50% vote share needed to be declared the winner. Bloomberg's Simin Demokan explains why he's under so much pressure after 20 years in power. President Erdogan has come under fire for his unorthodox economic policies. Of course, inflation has surged double digits, 24-year high. And rather than hiking rates like most central banks have been doing around the world, he has been cutting rates. And this, of course, has really impacted the economy. The lira under pressure. It's one of the worst performers in emerging market currencies for the past year. Bloomberg's Turkey, Simin Demokan reporting there from Istanbul. The runoff would pit Erdogan against top rival Kemal Kilic Daroglu, who has the backing of the nation's broadest ever grouping of opposition parties. President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy are planning to meet tomorrow for discussions on the debt ceiling standoff. The President and the Republican Speaker have been locked in a disagreement for months over raising the government's $31.4 trillion borrowing limit. But National Economic Council Director Lael Brainerd says that talks so far have been productive. The staff is very engaged. I would characterize uh, the engagement as serious, uh, as constructive. When I talk to CEOs, to business leaders around the country, they tell me things are actually going very well. But their biggest concern is that Congress might fail to prevent default and that that would be catastrophic. 
Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Brainerd also warned the failure to secure a deal will lead to higher borrowing costs for all. This is Bloomberg's latest Markets Live Pulse survey showed financial professionals believe a default is more likely now than during the 2011 standoff. The UK Trade Secretary will meet her Swiss counterpart later for talks aimed at modernising the trade deal between the two countries. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the story. The UK and Switzerland are kicking off negotiations for a new free trade agreement to boost trade in services. Trade Secretary Kemi Badenoch will fly to Bern for a meeting with her Swiss counterpart today, with formal negotiations set to begin next week. The existing deal between the two countries rolled over from when Britain was in the EU and predates the internet and even the home computer. Switzerland is the UK's 10th biggest commercial partner, with bilateral trade amounting to more than £50 billion a year. The prize for the two sides is the reduction in trade barriers in areas like finance and legal and professional services. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The ECB will hold interest rates at their peak for longer than previously thought, according to The Economist polled by Bloomberg. Those surveyed still expect rates to peak at 3.75% this summer, but now they don't anticipate a cut until mid-2024. The ECB raised its deposit rate by 25 basis points to 3.25% this month and has pledged to keep rates high for as long as is necessary. And finally, it turns out that all that glitters is gold. Bullion mining giant Newmont has secured a $19.2 billion deal to buy Australian rival Newcrest. With more, here's Doug Krisner. Newmont first approached its Australian rival back in February with a non-binding bid worth $17 billion, but it was rejected by the board at Newcrest. Then in April, Newmont sweetened the offer by more than $2 billion and described it as the best and final offer. Well, now Newcrest has accepted terms worth roughly $19.2 billion. This deal would create the world's largest gold producer with assets in North and South America, Africa, Australia, and Papua New Guinea. Newmont will also expand its exposure to copper, a key metal in the clean energy transition. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Right, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. There's a very interesting Bloomberg editorial on the terminal. Uh, Curbing Europe's inflation cannot be left to the ECB. So the editorial board making the argument that Christine Lagarde can't do all the heavy lifting, that inflation currently at 7%, um, it has to be brought down not just by uh, interest rates, but also by sort of combined action by European governments. This is an argument we've heard a number of times, you know, banking union and so on. This is a long-standing issue that Europe has, but I think the editorial board makes it really clear that with high interest rates, the action has to happen now. Yeah, and in the UK context, Mohamed Alarian was making the same argument about the government's role to support the Bank of England. But I've spoken to different economists who say that, look, it's the Bank of England's job to cut inflation. The government can only redistribute the effects or not make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. So have a read of that. Also, though, what caught my my eye was, you know, we often talk about rents Mm -hmm. and how extortionate they are uh, in London. I was watching Eurovision, which took place in Liverpool over the weekend, of course, a massive song contest. Well, if you are trying to rent in that city or frankly anywhere outside of London now, you're going to pay more than £1,000 a month for the first time to rent uh, anything outside of even the capital. I thought those were quite shocking numbers from Hamptons. Yeah, 
you're seeing the Bank of England's 12 state straight rate increases feeding through to the real economy. Landlords passing on the higher mortgage costs and that shows the lag in monetary transmission mm. that the doves on the MPC warn about. Expect more and more of this to feed through. Oh, ouch. Okay, let's move on then and talk about the presidential election in Turkey. Uh, probably really the most important vote in Europe this year. Well, it looks likely now to go to a runoff in two weeks' time, adding more volatility to markets and pressure on the lira. Uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan will face opposition candidate Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu again in a second round, potentially on the 28th of May. Basically, Lizzie, both the candidates failed have failed so far to reach 50% of the total votes uh, uh, that would, took place on Sunday, they need that 50% in order to win the first round. Otherwise, we get two more weeks of uncertainty. It's very, very difficult. And it does look as if it was actually the third presidential candidate uh, that managed to split the vote. So that perhaps was one of the big issues. Yeah, I've got my eye on the lira this morning. This Turkish lira spot is down two tenths of a percent currently, not looking good given all of this is hanging in the balance at the moment. Investors really waiting for whether Turkey becomes a buy again because Erdogan's growth at all costs policies mm. have, of course, debased the currency. So they've exited. You had, though, in the first 10 years of Erdogan's rule, foreign, foreign money flooded in yeah can that return yeah absolutely i mean i think this i think this is the 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 issue isn't it that the criticism has been around the cost of living crisis for turkey but actually the first decade under erdogan was actually pretty positive economically uh it's the last sort of 10 years and when uh the, the president started to encroach on and then completely disrupt the independence of the central bank in 2018 that things really turned around but let's see apparently the turnout for this vote was extremely high so that's another issue uh, that we are going to discuss let's go live now to istanbul our bloomberg anchor yusuf gamal eldin so it does look as if recep Tayyip erdogan is in the lead but perhaps not enough to win outright yusuf uh, the third candidate perhaps split the vote what do we know about the vote count yeah, so, I mean, there has been a, a lot of debate uh, in the last few hours, and this has been a sleepless night for much of Turkey, but the state broadcaster TRT uh, says with 99% of that vote is counted, that Erdogan got 49.4% of the vote, Kutsdarulu 44.9%, and Sinan Olgan 5.3%. Uh, there has been rhetoric from both sides. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't interpret too much into that as it stands because the signals are strong that there is going to be a runoff on May 28, uh, even though there's still some counting to do both within Turkey and in terms of the overseas ballots as well. Uh, Klitsch the ruler is confident that he can win in the second round. What is clear is that Erdogan pulled in a strong showing, maybe stronger than a lot of uh, observers would have believed going into this. And with the parliamentary initial results, he gets another tailwind as well. So you could argue that Erdogan's actually better positioned for the second round than he was in the first round. And that's going to make the opposition's work a lot more tricky. And Yusuf, as I say, it's not a happy morning for the lira with all this uncertainty. How does this, how should markets interpret all of this political turmoil? 
Well, the lira is about at a two-month low uh, right in the early Monday morning trade. Uh, we understand, uh, according to people familiar with the matter, that state banks intervened uh, in the lira trade. Central banks declined to comment, um, and that gives you a bit of an idea that uh, the authorities are going to try to continue and micromanage the currency, especially as we count down to a potential runoff uh, on May 28th once everything gets finalized. Uh, so that makes the next two weeks the most tense in Turkish politics, probably since AK Party and Erdogan came to power about two decades ago. I would also keep an eye out on some of the Turkish bonds and uh, equity markets here uh, in the nation because it rallied in the run-up to round one. Does it get uh, you know a bit of a recalibration based on the lack of clarity from uh, the results that we got overnight? So a lot of work to do for investors uh, and for the think tanks out there. Uh, this is something we did not expect, and uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, reflection and reassessment that's going to happen. Okay, a lot of reassessment. Do we think potentially that there could be any policy U-turns, um, you know, depending on the vote outcome? Will anything significantly change, do you think? You know, it depends on whether Erdogan can pull off a win in the second round. Uh, there is no consensus on whether, even if he were to stay in power, whether that necessarily means that the status quo would go on. I've spoken to a few experts who suggest that uh, because the economic realities are beginning to bite hard and we can't pull off unorthodox monetary policies at a time when liquidity is drying up, that there is going to have to be a bit of a tweak on the monetary policy side of things, but also in terms of the wider thinking to the new Turkey economy idea. So that's something that we'll have to wait and see whether that actually lives up to some of the initial debates that we've seen. It's still a little bit too early. I wouldn't read too much into it. Let's get to the second round, see what kind of parliament numbers come in see what happens with the actual presidential contender and then we'll be able to be in the we'll be in a better position to uh, make a final call on, on what's to come Yusuf great to have you live from Istanbul that's our Bloomberg anchor Yusuf Gamal Eldin thank you up next the EU's London clearing headache the Bank of England prepares to water down borrowing rules and the Tories vow to clamp down on low-skilled migration The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? 
I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. So we've got Leanne Gerrans with us in the studio to take us through the front pages today. Leanne, the Financial Times headlines, EU under pressure to extend access to London clearing houses. Lizzie, good morning to you. Yes, so since Brexit, the EU has been intent on moving the clearing houses of these strategically important European trades to the continent from the city of London as soon as is practical. However, the EU is now coming under mounting pressure from Europe's biggest clearing houses to rethink its plan on this. And this is all according to the story that we're reading this morning in the FT. Finance bosses are warning of huge risk to financial stability, which the blueprint in Brussels poses. Now, this is a big argument. The biggest derivative houses here in Europe, including BNP Paribas, Deutsche Bank and also Socgen, oppose the EU's plans. They fear extra costs and less efficient clearing will happen when the change comes into place in the next couple of years. And London's clearinghouse, the Alciate, is also now pushing for a rethink as they actually risk losing the most in this move that will happen. And clearing is the only area where the EU has granted London temporary equivalence. And that's all in the aftermath of Brexit, allowing the city's clearing powerhouse to continue handling these euro-denominated swap trades that stood at 133 trillion euros as of Friday's close. So now we're hearing Mm. echoes that this, Caroline, could be something that could cause a lot of disruption. There's pushback against it. However, the EU is saying the deadline for the move is still June 2025. Yeah, okay. The London-Europe push-pull. Telegraph says the Bank of England is to water down rules for lenders to boost Britain's competitiveness. Yes, again, pretty much, let's say that this is going to happen in the same year. So 2025, a lot happening there. Now, the UK will be adopting these new international capital rules from 2025 in the wake of the financial crisis. But the BOE is preparing to water down some changes, according to the Telegraph, to its post-crisis rule book. Now, this is after lenders are really warning plans to raise bank buffers will strangle small businesses here in the country. Now, the Prudential Regulation Authority has already published a consultation that was actually last year suggesting British lenders will be forced to hold back billions of pounds more than their EU rivals because of the UK strict rules that will come into place. Now, ensuring UK banks and businesses are not left at this competitive disadvantage is one of the most potentially sensitive issues for the Bank of England as it finalises the next stage of the so-called Basel rules introduced in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. So we now know Mm. the BOE is examining ways to lower that burden on banks when the UK adopts these rules that are coming into play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Basel rules. Meanwhile, the Guardian 
Sydney has the headline around Suella Braverman rebuffing cabinet calls for the easing of visa rules. So this is all around low-skilled migrants. Thank you so much, uh, Leanne Gerrans. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.